Hello, everyone. We are here. New Hope Radio. Thank you for joining me today. Got a good topic today. I think we can all relate to it. At a time or two in our lives when this message has come to life in us. We're going to talk today about broken things. We don't have much use for broken things, do we? Broken cup, broken window, broken clock. Things are no good, they don't work anymore. Broken heart. And the truth is, God doesn't have any use for them either. Except for the broken heart. And God reveals this to us through the psalmist David. And you may be familiar with his horrific sin with Bathsheba. He was out on the roof of his house. Should have been at war, but he wasn't. Gazing, looking around. There's Bathsheba taking a bath. He saw her. He sent for her. He lied with her. And then he had her husband killed to keep him from finding her. That was an awful deed. And it brought awful consequences. That baby was not part of God's plan. The baby that she conceived died. And you know what happened after that event? David wrote Psalm 51. Now, we know David made many mistakes in his life, but he never turned from God. And not that he was a very religious man, but that he knew he needed mercy and he needed forgiveness And that was God's nature. Oh, if more people would know God that way. If more people would know God the way David knew God. That's why the Bible can say he was a man with a heart after God. So we're going to take a look at this psalm. Psalm 51. I'm going to read some verses. I'll begin in verse 1. Now picture David after this horrific sin of adultery. Two years later, the baby died. And Before the baby was born, he had Bathsheba's husband killed on the battle line. Be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the greatness of your compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against you, and you only I have sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are justified when you speak, and blameless when you judge. Ah, behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the innermost being, and in the hidden part you will make me no wisdom. Purify me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness. Let the bones which you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, 
and sustain me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will be converted to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, the God of my salvation. And then my tongue will joyfully sing of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, that my mouth may declare your praise. For you do not delight in sacrifice, otherwise I would give it. You are not pleased with burnt offerings. And then at this point in the psalm, which is really a song, he talks about broken things. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and a contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Now what is a sacrifice? A sacrifice is given to express thankfulness. And you would expect the psalmist to say, the sacrifices of God are a thankful heart, or a joyful heart. But instead, he says, no, it's a broken heart. And as Charles Spurgeon said, this is because the joy of forgiveness does not banish the sorrow for sin. And the deeper the sense of sin, the truer the sorrow. Oh, David understands, yes, he's seeking forgiveness, and what accompanies forgiveness is joy. But it doesn't abolish the sorrow. Yes, like we said, God doesn't have any use for your broken cup, your broken window, or your broken clock. But you know what? He cherishes your broken heart and your broken spirit. Think about that. Let's see how this works. He talks about the sacrifices. What is a sacrifice but something that is slaughtered? An animal is slaughtered for sacrifice. It's what we give to God that costs us something. Many people today, they give out of convenience. And I think people today, they don't know how to give. Giving needs to be taught. You got to learn. So many facets of the Christian life. You get to learn how to pray. You get to learn how to serve and what your gifts are. You get to learn how to give. We don't stumble upon these things by accident. We have to be taught. So a church should teach people how to give to God. And it only hurts them and robs them when they give improperly. But in the days of the Old Testament, their giving was truly a sacrifice. I mean, think about it. They gave a whole sheep or a whole goat. And here David is saying, it's a broken spirit. I'm giving you God something that is very weighty. And the word broken, it means burst into pieces by being pounded. You know, something's pounded, shattered into little pieces. He's saying it's my broken spirit. The spirit is the inner you. And that's what David feels from his sin. He feels like on the inside, oh, what did I do? I am broken to pieces. 
I'm shattered. Can't believe I did what I did. Do you ever have that feeling? I have. It's a spirit which has been pulverized. And he says his heart is contrite. Contrite means to collapse. Picture a collapsed heart. (laughs) Your, Your heart collapses and you die. And what is the heart, but where you live life from? He's not talking about the physical organ, but the inner being. The heart is where you live life from. Everything about your life stems from the heart. David is saying, mine has collapsed. Jesus said, the good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth what is good. And the evil man, out of the evil treasure, brings forth what is evil. For his mouth speaks from that which brings forth what is evil, and it comes from the heart. So, think about it now. The heart is the inner you. And what comes from our heart determines our life. So, our life is determined by the condition of our heart. Good heart, good words, good life. Bad heart, you speak bad words, and you live a bad life. So, and David is saying, my heart, it's collapsed. My spirit is pulverized, and my heart is collapsed. This is deep remorse. And that's his sacrifice to God. He said, God, this is what I'm offering you. And God accepts it. And why does God accept it? Because this is where full restoration begins. David knew God did not require an animal sacrifice for what he did. He said in verse 16, You did not delight in sacrifice, otherwise I'd give it. You're not pleased with burnt offerings. No, it was his heart, broken from sin, that God wanted. You see, this is what keeps us real. Oh, yeah. This is is real. We cannot reduce our relationship with God to a mere performance of rituals. You know, you can't buy your way into forgiveness. Like any worthy relationship, it must begin in the heart. Why are best friends best friends? Because they have a heart connection. Why is a husband and wife experiencing a wonderful marriage? They have a heart connection. Why is it we can we can bask in the love of God? Because we have a heart connection. It's all about the heart. God said through Isaiah the prophet, For thus says the high and exalted one who lives forever, whose name is holy. Here God is identifying himself. He said, I dwell on a high and holy place. And also, oh, I like this part. Wait a minute. I dwell on a high and holy place and also with the contrite and the lowly of spirit. Oh, wow. God is not so far away and so lifted up that he's not with us in our brokenness. And he says, this is why. In order to revive the spirit, wow, of the lowly, and to revive the heart of the contrite. 
So look what God is saying. I'm the Holy One. I'm high and lifted up. But I dwell with you in your brokenness. I'll meet you right there in your brokenness from sin. One man said, this denotes deep but soft and mild distress. That's what David is. See, David is remorseful, but he's not without hope because he knows the nature of God. And he knows that if he's real with God, God's going to be real with him. And God will forgive him. Another one said, it's not like the shrieking or the howls of the Oriental fanatics. You know, there are other religions in the, in the, in the East, the Middle East, where, you know, it's, it's like in the days of Elijah, when, when the priests were jumping up and down to get their gods to bail, to bring down the fire, to burn the sacrifice, remember? And they were hooping and hollering and screaming and, He's saying, no, it's not like that. It's more of a quiet brokenness where you go and you just sit alone and you think and you grieve and you express remorse for what you've done. See, this is being honest with God. If there's anybody we're going to be honest with, I mean, come on, it's got to be the Lord. He knows all, he sees all. All things are laid bare before him, Bible tells us. So honesty is our best policy, so to speak, <laughs> when it comes with God. So you think about this sitting quietly and expressing our remorse, right? Is that something people even do today? I wonder if we are that busy that we don't even take the time to sorrow over our sin, and feel the brokenness that comes from it. You know, a callous heart can sin and not feel anything. Just go on. And they can even excuse it. They can rationalize it. But a broken heart acknowledges it as, oh, I've done wrong. Because what I did is broken my heart. If a heart is hot, it's hot to break it. Oh, yeah, can't break. See, David had a soft heart. What did I do? I committed adultery with this woman and I killed her husband. How could I do? How could I do that? I'm the king of Israel. How could I do that? And his brokenness. You know what it did? It didn't cause him to run from God. It caused him to draw near to God. Think about it. You don't let your sin cause you to run from God. You draw near to God because God is a God of forgiveness. It takes humility and honesty on our heart, on our part. So you have to come to a place where you say, I really want the help from God. Of course, there are people that they're on the other side of the fence where they don't want to experience that brokenness and that help. Like the guy who read numerous articles on the dangers of smoking. He became alarmed over the strong relationship between smoking and lung cancer. So he said to his friend, I've read so many articles about smoking and lung cancer, I decided to quit reading. 
So what is God looking for today? Let me give you a couple of things. Number one, he's looking for faithful hearts. Remember the heart, it's the real you. It's where you live life from. The Bible tells us in Second Chronicles 16, 9, for the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth. Oh, I love this, that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. It doesn't say God is looking over the earth for people who are living perfectly and rightly and they do nothing wrong. He says, no. He's looking for people who have given their heart to him. They're open and they're honest before him. That's what he's looking for. And you know what it says? He will support them. He will hold them up. He will strengthen them. He will embrace them. He will give them the lift up. That's what he will do. It's nothing to do with your mistakes or your failures or your sins. It has to do with your heart. A heart that says, God, I have sinned. God, I've, I'm, I'm experiencing my own brokenness, and this brokenness I'm offering to you. That you would put me back together again. I've been pulverized. And only you can put the pieces back together again. So I'm coming to you. Secondly, another important thing that God is looking for, living sacrifices. Not dead sacrifices, living sacrifices. You've heard this passage before in Romans 12, verse 1, where the Apostle Paul says, I'm urging you, brethren. Brethren are all believers. I'm urging you. I'm exhorting you. By the mercies of God, present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. Present yourself, which is acceptable to God. It is your reasonable or spiritual service of worship. Spiritual, yeah, it means reasonable. This is what God expects. If you don't present yourself to God, how is he going to put the pieces back together? can't. And you can't do it. Your psychiatrist can't do it. Your medication can't do it. Your counselor can't do it. Your pastor can't do it. No one can do it. Only God can put the pieces back together again. Are you a Humpty Dumpty Christian? No one can put you back together but God. And that's okay. So God says, come to me. Come to me. The third thing that you know what God wants? Close encounters. Oh, yeah? Close encounters. Think about it. Wait, but I've sinned. You know what God says in Hebrews 4.16? Let us draw near with confidence. What? Draw near with confidence to what? The throne of grace. Draw near to the throne of grace. And do it confidently. You know where confidence comes from? Knowing God. If you don't know him, you're going to be like the cowardly lion. You're be squeezing your tail. Oh, I don't know. But if you're confident, you know God. And you know his throne is a graceful throne. So let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace. Why? So that we may receive mercy. Oh, yeah. Mercy 
and find grace to help in time of need. God is saying, come, I'm not going to give you judgment. I'm not going to condemn you. I'm going to give you grace. And I'm going to give you mercy. So if and when you experience sorrow and brokenness from your sin, remember, that is a good place to be. In a place of brokenness. In a place where you feel your heart has collapsed and your spirit has been pulverized. God says, come. Come to me. Even Jesus, he's always inviting people. Come to me, you who are weary, burdened down, heavy laden. I'll give you rest. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. I'll give you rest for your soul. Oh, your soul. Life is heavy. Guilt is heavy. And Jesus says, I will lighten your burden. See, that's where you receive grace. You receive grace at God's throne. Run from God. There's no grace. Run to God and receive the grace. And then you have the ability to offer God a sacrifice. Oh, that you would not be able to. A broken heart. A broken and contrite heart, oh Lord, you will not despise. He will take it as your offering. He'll take it. So you don't take your broken heart and deny it. You don't take your broken heart and try to scotch tape it together. You don't take your broken heart and try to fake it through life. You say, God, here it is. I'm all busted up inside. I'm offering this to you. Wow. It's not a lamb. It's not a goat. It's not money. It's something that's broken that only God has use for. We have no use for a broken heart. But God does, and you know what God does? He accepts that sacrifice of brokenness. He accepts it. And to him, it's the greatest sacrifice you can give him. Wow. It's the greatest sacrifice you can give God. Your broken heart. And you know what the Apostle John said? He said, listen, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And why is that scripture relevant to us today? How can God be faithful and righteous by forgiving our sins? Because Jesus paid for them. That's why. When Jesus hung on the cross, God assigned all our sins to him. He suffered the judgment for every, what? For every sin that was ever committed. So now God can forgive you because the debt was paid. He's not being sentimental and saying, ah, shucks, I'll just look the other way. He's not doing that. No, the debt was paid. So now we're free. So God has maintained his righteousness, and he's faithful to the believer who accepts Christ as their Savior, and their sins have been forgiven. You know, what? where can you go? What religion 
offers you this kind of freedom and grace. There's no religion in the world that offers you what God offers you in his word. There's none. And it's interesting how there are billions of people that are following these other paths which don't offer forgiveness, don't offer mercy, don't offer grace, don't offer eternal life. And how many billions of people are walking that path? They're walking that walk. And they're not free. And you know what? Their hearts remain broken. Consider yourself blessed to know Jesus Christ. Consider yourself blessed to know forgiveness and know that God is a God of mercy and God is a God of grace. And in your brokenness and sorrow from sin, you stand forgiven. And you do have something to give to God. That brokenness, that's what you give him. And he takes it. And he will put you back together, piece by piece by piece. And he's not compromising his own integrity because of Jesus. Oh, Jesus did it all. Jesus paid it all. The path has been made straight. The door has been opened wide. We are invited. We are invited to come to God. Come, let us sit down and reason together. Though your sins are as scarlet, they'll be white as snow. That's what God is saying. David said, purify me. Cleanse me. Make me clean. Make me whole. And God does that. God is not willing for any to perish. Oh, but he is desirous for all to come to him and find that grace in time of need. So are you a person now that can approach the throne of grace confidently? I hope so. Always be confident when you approach the throne of God. I'll tell you what. These are the things we need to hear over and over and over. Yes, we need to be grounded in knowing the grace of God and the mercy of God. And yes, we're going to fail and we're going to sin time and again. God is always there to forgive. You know why? Because of the precious blood of His Son that atoned for your sins. So listen, don't run from God. Run to God and receive grace in time of need. Thanks for listening to New Hope Radio. Have a great day. Send me an email, newhoperadio7 at gmail.com. Let me know if the programs are helping you one way or the other. And I'll see you next time.